The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 159 of the podcast. Or you're joining us live here on YouTube. We're doing the live on YouTube thing, so come join in the conversation anytime you feel like it. Uh, if you missed us live, then you got to go to YouTube, search for MMA on the Rocks, subscribe, and turn on notifications for when we go live so that you know when we're going live and you can join in and we got the chat going. It's a good time. Today is Sunday, September 29th. We are coming off of a fuckload of combat sports this weekend that are still going on right now. Um, man, all this all this content is, is difficult to keep up with lately. You know, we had two Bellator cards. We had UFC in, in Denmark. Uh, we had the ADCC going on in Vegas. Uh, so much to talk about, and I consumed so little of it uh <laughs> before we get to all of that let me introduce my co-host all the way from i don't know what the weather's like but new jersey <laughs> jeff the animal wilson jeff how you feeling on this sunday evening my friend bill i'm awesome jersey's been kind of warm lately so uh this weekend last weekend pretty warm so i've been hanging out with friends catching up um I'm getting ready for this weather to get chilly so I can start drinking some uh, Guinness, Bill. Nice. I, I had myself a Guinness the other day. I went to uh, – there's this Irish pub in, in Tampa, uh, Four Green Fields, it's called, and uh, they pour a proper Guinness there, which you know I'm a stickler for, Jeff. If you're going to have a Guinness, it's got to be done right. Yep. Um, it's got to be on a separate draft line, a couple of degrees warmer than the other beers. It can't have as much carbonation, and it's got to be poured in two phases. Uh, but they definitely do it all right. They got they got six taps in this place. I'm gonna have to take you there uh, next time you're you're down in the area. You got six taps just for Guinness, uh, and, and nothing else is running on those lines. And uh, we got uh, the Kamora kid Jeff Bogman in the group chat here saying he had some soup today, Jeff, and it made him think of you. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we actually. Uh, uh, I was I was helping my dad grill a little bit because uh, it's my niece's birthday today, so I was helping uh, helping on the grill, Bill. Well, happy birthday to the little animal. <laughs> oh, uh, that's an accurate description of her. Um, <laughs> but speaking of animals, Bill, let's get into some of this combat that we had so much of this weekend. Yeah, man. I wanna I wanna start off by by giving a a big shout out to my teammate from Gracie Tampa, Dan Martinez, who got the call on three days notice to go compete at ADCC, the world submission wrestling championships. Uh, he moved up a weight class, went out there on three days notice, uh, with, with no preparation or, or anything like that. And, um, you know, he got the call and he said, yes, that's just the kind of guy he is. He went out there. Unfortunately, he drew uh, Vinny Magalhaes in, mm. in the first round and um, he looked good. He looked damn good. But, um, you know, just undersized. He was in the, the 99 kilogram division. He was he was like 25 pounds underweight 
um, it, you know, it, he, he was a silver medalist at the trials. So, you, you know, he kept his phone line open and this is an important message for, for anyone out there who's looking to get into combat sports. You got to be ready at all times. You got to be on weight. Uh, you got to be prepared to go up and wait and, you know, answer the phone when, when an opportunity comes calling. So, you know, huge credit to Dan Martinez for, for jumping on that opportunity and, and getting in there knowing that he was going to be undersized with those guys in that 99 kilogram uh, division and, and going after it regardless, uh, you know, hopefully they'll invite him back. It's a little bit, you know, the way ADCC works is a little bit unusual. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the people who run it, do whatever they want. You know, it's an invitation only grappling contest. They only want to see the most exciting grapplers in the world. Um, it, there's not really like they have a, a trial, tournament but they don't really go by that they just kind of go by like who they want to see it's um it, you know there's a board it, it used to be run by like this sheik or something in abu dhabi who was like i want to see this guy against this guy you know give him a bunch of money and fly them here and let me watch them compete like he's you know old, old like um it's really like a medieval thing <laughs> um but yeah, hopefully he gets a call back. I, I know it really meant a lot to him. So big shout out to to uh, Dan Martinez. He looked awesome in there. And um, you know the ADCC is finishing up as we speak. I believe. I think they're doing like the open weight. Um, I, I didn't get to see a lot of it because I don't have a flow grappling account, Jeff. I think I'd have to sell my firstborn to be able to afford it. They're looking for like thirty bucks a month for this thing, like for to to watch jujitsu and grappling stuff. Um. And I, I don't have, you know, I don't even have the time to put into it, even if I if I did have the extra money to uh, invest in, in one of those grappling accounts. But I do plan on watching uh, the ADCC. Uh, I, I think, you know, if you're into grappling like EBI and stuff like that, then this is really fun stuff. From what I hear, there's been some really fun matches. I've seen some highlights. And um, I'll, I'll talk about it next week after I'm able to watch more of it. If you guys are interested, um so let me know one way or the other. If I don't hear from you, then I'll, I'll talk about it. Uh, but l let me know if you definitely want me to go into detail about it. I don't know if, how interested you guys are in the grappling stuff, uh, since this is primarily an MMA and alcohol podcast. And speaking of alcohol, for all you pumpkin phobes out there, uh, I'm back on the pumpkin beer grind here. And and this one has two of my favorite things. It's it, It's got beer and puns. This is a pumpkin ale like punk rock so for those of you watching on youtube you can see the pumpkins playing like some instruments on there like they're punk rockers and this is by dogfish head which is uh uh you know they're known for their session ipas that, that the 60 minute the 90 minute ipas that came out years back and they were they were like one of the first craft breweries to really blow up they were recently bought out by sam adams um so definitely the biggest brewery to ever come out of delaware and uh, Sam Adams bought them up for like uh, millions and millions of dollars. I'm not, I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head what the number was, but um, this one's pretty good. It's a brown ale. It's got uh, it's really heavy with the brown sugar up front, but not like an overwhelming sweetness. And then the aftertaste is like the cinnamon and nutmeg and whatever the fuck else they put in here. But uh, it's pretty tasty. I'm enjoying it. High alcohol content like these pumpkin ales usually are. Um, you know, I know a lot of people knock them, but a couple of these bad boys will put you on your ass. Anyway, 
threw a lot of information on you at you there, Jeff. Uh, so why don't you uh, give me any reactions you have to anything I said, or just let me know where you want to get started. Bill, I'm l- really, really liking the punky nail. I love puns, and I am. I have been enjoying some uh, some uh, pumpkin beers myself, dude. Um, I also love Dogfish Head. So sounds like the perfect storm. Might have to look for that this weekend coming up since this one that we're currently in is coming to a close. Um, and and yeah, uh, dude, unfortunately I haven't caught up on Abu Dhabi uh, and that tournament yet, but I'm probably going to look for it during the week. um, See if I can find some other means of watching it because I'm in the same boat, Bill. I want to pay $30 to watch jujitsu when I could not do that. Yeah. Still watch jujitsu. It's like my my main streaming services that I use are Netflix, Spotify, and uh, ESPN Plus. And Flow Grappling costs more than all of those combined. So I don't know I don't know what they're thinking. Like if if you're somehow involved in Flow Grappling and and you consume this show, like what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like what? why would you think that people would want to pay that? And from what I understand, there's some, there's some glitches and issues with the platform, you know, charge less money, get it straightened out, get people on board with it. And then, you know, once you have people roped in and you got everything ironed out, uh, then, then bump it up a little bit. They'll probably make more money if they made it 10 bucks a month and more people would subscribe. Um, but you know, what do I know? In any case, I know that I'm not a subscriber because it costs a ridiculous amount of money. I don't want to take out like a second mortgage on my house <laughs> to <laughs> be able to <laughs> sell my child. I live in I live in Clearwater near Clearwater, which is like um, high uh, child trafficking area. So I don't know if I can even get that much for or to to make up for the thirty bucks a month. Um, <laughs> it's just like, Bill, this, what are you talking about? It's just so cheap to buy children around here, Jeff. Is what I'm saying. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's let's move things to Denmark. <laughs> uh, Jared Cannonier, uh, in the main event against Jack Hermanson, who you know was the the hometown boy, so to speak, here for this. I, I think they were kind of building this event around him and uh, you know, he's from Sweden, but Sweden, Denmark, like close enough. It's like New York, New Jersey. I don't know. I'm not that good with geography, but in any case, uh, Jared Cannonier playing the spoiler here. Uh, he weathered the storm from Jack Hermanston. I think Jack got really frustrated that he wasn't able to, um, you know, apply his game plan here. He went for some takedowns uh, and he's got an awkward grappling style. It's very unorthodox. He was able to get Cannoneer down at one point. He landed a suplex on him, took his back, but Cannoneer just stayed so calm. Like I said, weathered the storm and he was able to pick his shots. And um, man, that ground and pound he landed on, on Jack Hermanson was scary shit. And then, uh, when the fight was stopped by Mark Goddard and Jared Cannonier just stalked the octagon and looked around at the audience who was dead silent. It was one of the, the one of the most terrifying scenes uh, I've ever witnessed. Like 
I, I felt like my heart stopped for a second watching this scene, watching him like look around and almost challenge the audience. Like, because he, he got a bad reception in Brazil. Um, you know, when he, when he finished Anderson Silva, uh, understandably so, but I, and I think that's what he was expecting here, but the Denmark crowd, uh, much more respectful. They were just looking to see a good contest and man, this was a career, uh, a career highlight performance for Jared Cannonier, who looked probably, you know, the best we've seen him in the UFC. Give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I loved Jared Cannonier's clinch work. I thought he was doing such a great job, um, and he was so fucking strong, dude. Um, you know, Hermanson took him down and then Cannoneer would pop right back up or he'd muscle his way uh, to a standing position. And, you know, it was just so hard for Jack Hermanson to take control of this fight. And, and, you know, that's his fighting style. He likes to control the ground game. He likes to be able to put his opponents in uncomfortable positions. And Jared Cannoneer was having none of it. Um, and, yeah, dude, we talked about how physically strong Cannoneer is. I think we both agree that he's more suited for middleweight, and he brings a lot of power coming down from that light heavyweight division. And, you know, just such a good performance from Jared Cannoneer. I wish this had gone on a little bit longer, but, you know, you get what you get. And, you know, great fight. I think that's a huge feather in Cannoneer's cap because Hermanson, you know, no, no easy feat. Yeah, even when he was touching Hermanson up with those jabs, you know, he yeah. was he was busting his face open like Hermanson knew he was getting hit early on. Um, and I, I think it really sucked the life out of him quick. You know, Cannoneer, a guy who used to fight at heavyweight, and now he's come all the way down. He's had some kind of like uh, spiritual life experience or, or something and, and, you know, changed his diet around. He looks amazing at middleweight. Um, and, and this was a fight that Jack Hermanson didn't have to take. You know, he was ranked number six and Cannoneer was ranked like 15th or something. Uh, so credit to Jack Hermanson for, for taking on all comers. You know, he wanted to fight in Denmark um, after his last win over Jacare. He said he wanted to be on this Copenhagen card and, um, you know, he would take on whoever they put in front of him. And he, he did that. Uh, so uh, big credit to Jack Hermanson. You know, I, I have no doubt he'll he'll be back in the gym on Monday and looking to see how he can improve. And yeah. um, I, I think the same will probably be the case for for Jared Cannonier. Um, so I personally, um, I'd like to see you know if they don't get a title shot, maybe the winner of Darren Till and Kelvin Gastelum against Jared Cannonier. I think that would be a fun fight. Um, or even the loser, because I would love to see Jared Cannonier against either Till or Gastelum. Um, so, and, and they're fighting at Madison square garden next month or in, uh, November, I believe. All right. And is that fight at 170 or 185? That's at 185 till it's oh, moving okay. up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I like both those matchups, him against, uh, Darren Till against Kelvin Gastelum. And then the winner of that versus Jared Cannonier. I think, uh, I think we could, uh, make some nice moves at the top there. I think the 185 division has been a little quiet lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's been in kind of a weird state, especially because you have guys like Chris Wyman and Luke Rockhold moving up. Uh, Yoel Romero has talked about moving up. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of been like, you know, all your top guys are, are kind of making it a little bit stale, but I think it's going to have some life breathed into it next week 
when we see uh, Whitaker and Adesanya, or hopefully we see Whitaker and Adesanya, there's still, you know, there's still time for Robert Whitaker to pull out of that fight. Um, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's hope that one comes together. But we'll get to that a little bit later. I want to move on to the co-main event here: Mark O. Madsen and uh, Daniel uh, Bilardo. So Madsen uh, gets the main event slot here, and uh, because. He's Danish, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, undefeated mixed martial artist. He was making his UFC debut here. Um, moves to 9-0 and with his victory over Bilardo here. Olympic silver medalist is uh, Madsen from the 2016 games, I want to say. Uh, let me see. I have it right here. Uh, 2018, sorry, 2018 games. Uh, so it was his third try in the Olympics and, uh, you know, he was in Beijing and then he was in London and then he finally, uh, you know, was able to medal his third time around. So obviously he's a really high caliber athlete, um, dominant performance in this co-main event here. Uh, my only concern is that he's 35 years old and he's got, um, He's got a lot of miles on him, you know, for 35, three times in the Olympics, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of wear and tear on the body. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, wrestling ability in this, in this division, uh, no, nobody's going to be able to stop it. Like there's nobody that's going to stop this guy from taking him down, um, at 170 pounds. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't think anybody comes close. Uh, but give me your thoughts on on Madsen's performance, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Madsen looked deadly in there. You know, he was aggressive. He was using his wrestling in combination with strikes, and you know, just immediately, just so easily took down Beluardo. Um, You know, and he, and he's uh, he's a very good Greco-Roman wrestler. And for those of you who may not know, Greco-Roman wrestling, you don't you can't touch uh, the other person's legs. It's all upper body, uh, very similar to judo in a way. So, you know, super, super um, impressive from Mark Madsen. I want to see what else he's got. You know, he we only saw him fight for about a minute. And, Bill, you bring up an interesting point about him being 35, um, having a lot of miles, like you said, three Olympic runs. Um, and I think you were right the first time. I think he got that silver medal in Rio in 2016, uh, same year that our buddy uh, Travis Stevens Got his silver medal in judo. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I was impressed with Mark Madsen, but like you said, man, he's got a lot of miles on him. But at the same time, we've also seen wrestlers, you know, fight well into their 40s in this sport. So, you mm -hmm. know, I'm interested to see what's next for him. Yeah, especially that Greco-Roman style. I'm glad you brought that up. It's a great point. It's one of the, the styles I feel like translates the best to MMA because uh, with freestyle wrestlers who – who shoot in on the legs and are better in open space. You know, we've seen them susceptible to flying knees and, and punches on the way in. But for that Greco Roman style, once they get you up against the cage, it doesn't matter that there's a cage behind you. Uh, they can put you on your back. Um, and, and that clinch it's, it's like a different kind of strength. Yeah. Um, if you've never grappled with, with a Greco Roman wrestler, a high caliber Greco Roman wrestler, then you can't really appreciate, you know, the kind of strength, um, and, and it's deceiving. 
you know, because the guy will look really strong and then he grabs you and it's like, this is a different kind of human being. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, what Madsen could do. Uh, you know, probably got uh, limited time left on the clock to do it, but, you know, definitely could make a run in his division. You know, there's a lot of interesting fights for him, you know, with like a, with like a Ben Askren or, or, you know, Colby Covington or Kamaru Usman down the line, Tyron Woodley. We've got a lot of great wrestlers uh, in this division. You know, see if any of them could uh, could put a stop to it. But in any case, um, th those are all the kinds of matchups I would hope to see. And it's the kind of matchup I was hoping to see between Gilbert Burns and Gunnar Nelson. Wasn't really the case. Uh, turned out to be more of a stand-up and, and clinch battle. But still a decent fight. Gilbert Burns coming away with the unanimous decision. I kind of thought that since Gunnar Nelson was pressuring a lot, that the judges might lean towards him. I thought Gilbert won the fight. Um, but you never know with MMA judges uh, you know, which way it's going to go. I, I wouldn't have been surprised. If it went to Gunnar Nelson, it was, it was a close fight, but I thought it was a clear win for Gilbert Burns. But, you know, you try to think about what the judges are seeing, and um, it, it's hard to make left or right of that. But uh, give me your thoughts on this fight, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, I was in kind of the same boat in the sense that I couldn't tell who the judges would give it to at the end of the fight. Um, I thought it was a really close fight. I felt like if they had given it to Gunnar Nelson, I don't think it would have been a robbery for Gilbert Burns necessarily. Um, a still really good fight from both of these guys. Um, it was mostly a stand-up battle, but I liked what I saw from Gilbert Burns. He was mixing up his grappling as well. You know, he was a tough guy to take down. Gunnar Nelson, you know, shot him a few times and, and had some difficulty getting him to the ground. And I think it was... The end of the second round, and again in the f early in the third round, Gilbert Burns landing this flying knee, dude. Um, when uh, when Gunnar Nelson had his leg locked up, it was it was pretty awesome, and I felt like you know it, it's things like that that the judges were probably counting as well. Um, I felt like Gilbert Burns uh, on the feet. I felt he like he was a little bit better. I felt like Gunnar Nelson didn't take advantage of his uh, uh, reach advantage. Uh, at least that's just me. But overall, I liked what I saw on the ground from both of these guys. They were very active from the bottom. Uh, you know, we saw some nice sweeps. We saw some nice transitions. And at the end of the first, we almost saw what I thought was going to be a leg lock from Gilbert Burns, but the bell rang. So overall, I, I was really excited for this fight. For me, I felt like this was definitely a contender for fight of the night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was very back and forth. Um, you know, not the straight grappling contest that, you know, you would have hoped for between these two, but uh, that's usually what happens when you have two really high level grapplers, you know, Gilbert Burns has been uh, in ADCC. I think he was supposed to be in the tournament this year, but he had to pull out because he got this fight uh, somewhat last minute. Um, I, I may be speaking on a turn here, but in any case, Gilbert looks great. I think he's really one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC. I've been saying this for a while. I think the move up to 170 has been good for him. You know, there's a lot of people who will have a lot of difficulty uh, with his grappling, uh, you know, especially in this wrestling heavy division. There's going to be guys, you know, if they can't handle him on the feet, which he is a handful on the feet now, uh, you could tell the, the work with Henry Hooft has been paying off. You know, he's got some crack on his punches right now, and, and he's not afraid to throw the kicks because he doesn't care about getting taken down. 
so I think Gilbert Burns is going to be a real threat in this division. He's not sucking himself out to make 155 anymore. Um, and, and if you do get him on the ground or if he gets you on the ground, uh, you're in a lot of trouble because he's world-class there. All right, moving on to the big boys, Iwan Kutilaba and Khalil Roundtree. Um, this was an exciting fight for as long as it lasted. Uh, Kutalaba, I don't really, uh, I don't really agree with all the antics before the fight. You know, getting in Roundtree's face and screaming and and all this and, and marching across the cage and and giving like death threat hand signals and stuff like that. But um, it, you know, you can't can't argue with the results here. Uh, his plan was to wrestle, and you know, he was just throwing Roundtree's leg over his head and, and tripping the other leg and just dropping him to the ground over and over again. You know, he showed, you know, some, some of that high level judo and Sambo that, um, you, you know, we haven't really seen from him before in the UFC because he loves to stand and bang with everybody, but he knows that Roundtree has been working on his Muay Thai over at Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand for a, a while now, I think over a year. Um, so he didn't want to mess with that. And, you know, the way the ties fight, uh, they're, they're all slow starters. They're about getting a rhythm and, and usually like taking that first round off. So Kutalaba did the right thing by getting in his face and pressuring him, keep him against the cage. Uh, so he couldn't find that Muay Thai rhythm and then, um, you know, putting him on his back where, you know, tie fighters definitely aren't comfortable. But um, I, I thought this was an impressive performance from Kutalaba. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Kutalaba just went out there, was in um, Khalil Roundtree's face, man. Uh, I, Roundtree just never got a chance to get going because of the pressure that Ian Kutalaba was putting on him. And, uh, you know, the wrestling, the grappling, the, you know, all that stuff was was great. And you could tell that, you know, Khalil Roundtree was was starting to break down. Um, you know, we've talked about how hard it is to grapple, how hard it is to have somebody else on top of you. You know, all that stuff wears you out. And uh, I thought Ian Kutalaba went in there with the right game plan. Like you said, um, he just, you know, completely stuffed all of uh, Khalil Roundtree's offense and, mm -hmm. you know, just neutralized it. So a uh, good win for him. You know, we talked about Roundtree. He was, I felt like he was starting to get going a little bit in this light heavyweight division. Uh, he had a couple wins under his belt already. Uh, his striking, like we said, looked much improved. So a really good win for Kutalaba. And I think, you know, um, I just think it was a little too much for, for Roundtree in this one. Yeah, man. And um, speaking of neutralizing offense, that's exactly what Ovin St. Prue did against Mikhail Oleksiejczyk. Um, Oleksiejczyk came out guns blazing. He was in Ovin's face, swinging for the fences the entire first round. He rocked him a couple of times. He was going to the body. Uh, he was mixing things up. He looked fantastic. And then, you know, I guess Ovin's kind of shook the cobwebs off, came out in that second round. Uh, you know, he still got pieced up a little bit at the beginning of that second round. And then, um, you know, he started firing back, started countering. And then once he got to the ground, um, this was just, you know, it, it was like a, a white belt and a black belt here. Um, Ovin St. Prue, of course, loves going for that shoulder choke. The Von Flu choke, the Von Prue choke, <laughs> the St. Prue choke, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, basically, it's a shoulder pressure choke that usually – you're able to land this choke when somebody holds on to a guillotine too long from the bottom. Uh, but the way Ovin St. Preux set this up, 
this time was um, he held Olazanchik's arm around his own neck and then popped it into place and then hopped over his half guard and was able to put that pressure. And um, you could see it was just a matter of time. Like there's no, there's no moving from that position. Like if you've ever grappled with somebody who's, who's good in this position, like once they get it, you're fucked. You know, it's just, that's it. That's checkmate. Um, And, you know, he, he gave up that position. Ovince, you know, made sure he couldn't get out of it. And then, you know, he would have put him to sleep if he didn't tap. So uh, great performance by St. Pru. Um, he's kind of running into a bad habit of, of taking a lot of punishment in his fights, you know, coming away with the wins, but, you know, sometimes not. And even if he is, he's, he's getting beat up a little bit in there, you know, not exactly what you want to be known for, but, you know, at the same time, you can't argue with the results. But give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Um, like you said, um, Ovin St. Pru, which was getting – busted up in there man he was getting tenderized you know it was looking bad especially like you said those body shots you could tell uh he was breathing heavy after those and they were doing some damage um and bill you know i i'm glad he got the von flu choke and everything but i gotta address this you know the way he went for the takedown that was like the worst takedown i've ever seen bill um, <laughs> he oh god like there was there was no level change he kind of just like hugged um uh alexichuk's butt and started <laughs> driving forward i mean yeah. we need to osp listen you're doing a good job but we we got to work on this wrestling man yeah well it's kind of like the like the chael sonnen style blast double uh you know head in the chest and just like barrel them over um if it doesn't work then you hit the level change from there but if you, if you have enough momentum with that battery you know, sometimes they just fall right over. And, you know, Ola Jancic, very, what he seems to be undersized for this division, yeah, you know, yeah. and, that, and that didn't seem to matter one bit in that first round where he was landing whatever he wanted on Ovin St. Pru. But, you know, when it comes to the grappling, that's when uh, a size advantage really comes into play. All right. Uh, I'm going to breeze over a couple of things here. Nicholas Dalby looked good. And his win over Cowboy Oliveira, I thought this was a good fight, very back and forth. There was a ridiculous stand-up at one point in the fight by oh, the yeah. by the referee. I I I can't tell you guys enough like how against stand-ups I am. The, the referee shouldn't be in there to keep the fighter safe, and that's it. Stay the fuck out of the fight. Just just stand there with your with your rubber gloves, and if somebody gets blood in their eyes or or takes a low blow, then you step in there. Otherwise, I shouldn't even know you're in the cage. Um, but you know, the rules are the rules and they're allowed to do that. So I guess it's at his discretion, but he fucked up. Um, let's see. John Phillips with a 17 second KO over, uh, Alan Ahmedovsky. Uh, this was a crazy fight. These guys started just stood in the pocket, swinging wild on each other, just throwing straight clubs back and forth, 17 seconds. And Phillips coming away with that big knockout win. Um, Let's see. Ismail Nordiev, uh, this put on a grappling clinic against CR Bahadur Zara. Uh, Bahadur Zara is, is one of these guys who's like a real slugger, like a real hard hitter in this division, but off his back, man, he just looked like 
he's he's never really done any grappling. He was just hanging on for dear life, uh, hoping for the referee to to step in. And it was even Mark Goddard. If you're gonna have a chance that it gets stood up, uh, your best chance is having Mark Goddard as a referee. But even Mark Goddard was like, "Nah, man, you got to take this whooping today." Uh, <laughs> and he just let him, he just let him suffer down there. Um, and then uh, a, a bit of controversy: Giga Chikadze. Uh, and Brandon Davis, this fight was announced as a draw and they later had to go back and say that they made a mistake and Chikadze actually won a split decision. I don't think it should have even been a split decision. I think Chikadze like clearly won this fight over Brandon Davis, who had his moments in the fight where he looked good and he was landing some stuff, but, um, uh, Chikadze easily won two of the three rounds. Uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think there was, there's even debate about that and then um I'll, I'll stop there any any reaction to anything i've said so far jeff yeah dude uh that nicholas Dalby versus alex Oliveira fight that was for me fight of the night uh i thought it was an awesome fight from both of these guys but bill yeah i was so pissed when they stood him uh when they stood up cowboy Oliveira. you know he's a dude who's clearly two rounds down he's clearly looking for a finish here because yeah they're on the ground but Oliveira was clearly working, you know, throwing punches, throwing elbows, trying to look for a finish here because he needs it to win. And the fucking ref stands him up, man. I was just mm-hmm. so upset with this. Um, but good good performance from Dalby. You know, he was really dominant. And good performance from Oliveira. We usually see him fade a little bit uh, as the fight goes on. You know, he, he tries to look for early finishes. Um, and, and we saw some good grappling from him as well. So good fight from both of these guys. But uh, fortunately, we just wasn't happy with uh, the refereeing in this one. Yeah, yeah, man, it, it was a bummer. Um, I, I hate to see stuff like that. You, know, you never know how it would have turned out. I mean, you have a pretty good idea based on how the rest of the fight went. But in, in any case, good for Dalby. He looked good. Um, Lena Landsberg, unanimous decision over Macy Kiesen. Uh Mark Dekeze and Lando Venata. Uh, the case they get in the unanimous decision. This was on the early, early prelims. I didn't even see this fight. I forgot it was even happening. Um, I imagine there was some fun stuff going on in this fight because they're both really creative strikers, but you know, I didn't see anything about it. It kind of got lost in the mix of, of all the uh, MMA going on. You know, it was a, not only was it on the early prelims, but this fight was on early in the day. So uh, sucks for these two guys who are both really exciting fighters. Uh, uh, I don't know. Did you catch this one, Jeff? Or yeah, uh, I did actually. And uh, this was an exciting fight, man. Uh, Mark DeCasey was mixing it up really well. You know, he was shooting for takedowns. He was using his grappling, and you know, on the feet, he was doing really well. Uh, I he I felt like Lando Venata, you know, put up a good fight as well, but he just couldn't answer. Um, he didn't have an answer for anything that DeCasey was throwing at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was pretty high, pretty fast pace after the first round. So a very exciting fight. And Mark DeCasey, you know, we talked about probably a few months back, you know, his grappling just wasn't there. And I feel like that's something he's been working on. It shows in the cage. Um, you know, he's he's a very exciting striker, but seeing him go for takedowns yesterday, man, I got to jump on this on this train here, Bill. I think that uh, Mark DeCasey's doing the right things. I think he's going to make a splash in this division sooner rather than later. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think he's got some kinks to work out in, a, in the grappling department, but, um, you know, he's definitely 
got world class striking. So uh, we'll we'll see how things go for him there. And then uh, Jack Shore with the uh, late rear naked choke victory over Nolan Hernandez. Uh, you got anything else on uh, Denmark here, kid? We got a lot a lot of other stuff to talk about here. Nah, we gotta get moving, Bill. All right, uh, Bellator. I didn't watch it. I don't think you watched it. Um, this is a, a great card on paper. I just, you know, I, I couldn't find the motivation, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Gegard Musasi getting a split decision victory over Leota Machida, so he he got that. Uh, you know, got got some revenge there. Uh, Patricky Pitbull defends his title over uh, Juan Archuleta. I was actually really looking forward to that fight. I just couldn't. You know, it was on the zone and like I don't know where to find it. Uh, I can't be bothered. Um, AJ McKee, eight second knockout over uh Georgie Car Karakian. And then uh Darian Caldwell uh with a win over Henry Corrales. Uh Caldwell and McKee are two guys that, that I've had my eye on for a long time. Um uh Daniel uh Weichel with a Unanimous decision over Saul Rogers, who was on season 22 of The Ultimate Fighter. He was actually, uh, he's got a win over Bill, Billy Quarantillo, friend of the show, on that season. Um, eh, I don't know. There were some other fights, I guess. Oh, Antonio <laughs> McKee. This is actually kind of interesting. Antonio McKee, AJ McKee's father, was also on this card and also got a TKO victory. No, that's um, so awesome. the first uh, father and son duo to ever fight on the same card, and uh, they both get uh, knockout wins. So, good day for that family. Yeah, uh, I did. I, I don't think you caught any of this Bellator card, did you, Jeff? No, but now, now that you bring up the results, I kind of wish I had watched it. But Bellator has been dropping the ball too often, man. They gotta, they gotta win me back. Yeah, be wined and dined, Bill. So. <laughs> yeah it's like i don't know when it when it when bellator cards are on it's almost like it, it's like that crazy girl who texts you too much but she's kind of fun to hang out with but you just like don't want to put the effort <laughs> it's like that's bellator lately uh, <laughs> um yeah and then they had a card on friday night too like uh James Gallagher, you know, the the bargain brand Conor McGregor was on. <laughs> and uh generic brand. Yeah. Yeah, generic brand. He's <laughs> like the America's choice. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> the RC Cola version of Conor McGregor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so Bellator, get with the program. Like uh, UFC's UFC's been putting out these cards that are like you know uh, New York strip steaks and Bellator serving hot dogs over here. So yeah, they're not uh, even grilled. They've been boiled in water and just kept there <laughs> yeah. for a long time. There was yeah. one guy. There was one guy on a Bellator card who's like like AJ McKee's dad. He's like fifty. <laughs> He's been sitting in that hot dog water a long time. Uh, uh, all right. All right. Well, we're getting off the rails here. We got to. Yeah. Before we know it, they're going to bring Herschel Walker back. 
like he's he started MMA at like fifty two. Oh man. Anyway, uh, UFC next week they're gonna be in Melbourne, Australia. Possibly Robert Whitaker will be fighting against Israel Adesanya. I don't want to get too excited for this one, Jeff, because uh, you know. Robert Whitaker's burned me a couple times before where I've been so excited to see him fight. And, uh, you know, it just falls through. You almost forget how good Robert Whitaker is. I mean, this guy is a world-class fucking fighter, and he's good everywhere. Uh, Israel Adesanya, no doubt about it, has some of the most creative and explosive striking, really good at reading people. But we've seen him struggle a little bit with grappling in the past. Um, and, and he hasn't been in there with really high-level grapplers. I mean, he was in there with Gastelum, but Gastelum tried to stand with him the whole time pretty much. Uh, and, and that was a great fight. You know, Gastelum gave him a hard time. And I think Whitaker's going to be a little bit quicker on the feet than Gastelum was. And he's going to pressure him, push him up against the cage, uh, make him worry about the takedown. Uh, you know he's going to come in with a smart game plan. Um, it kind of seems like the rising star of Adesanya can't be stopped. Like he's got too much momentum. Uh, but I also really don't see a way that he beats Robert Whitaker. You know, if a, if, if a prime Robert Whitaker shows up uh, and brings all his tools and brings a good game plan, which you know, he's going to do. Um, I don't, I don't see a way, uh, I don't see a, a way for him to lose really um, uh, unless he gets caught with something silly, but you know, we've seen him take, take a fucking cinder block to the head in those fights with Yoel Romero and he keeps coming. Um, so I don't know. This is an interesting one and I, I don't want to get too excited about it, but I'm really kind of excited about it, especially now that I'm talking about it now, Jeff, give me your thoughts on this main event from Melbourne, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. I'm a fan of Robert Whitaker. I, you know, it's a, it's a shame he's been a little injury prone. He's had some bad luck, but the dude can fight. Uh, that's why he's a champ. Um, that and because GSP, you know, gave up his belt. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, Robert Whitaker, like you said, he's been in wars with the R. Romero, uh, beat him both times. You know, the second one was debatable, but, um, but like Romero said, missed weight. So fuck him. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He didn't deserve to be <laughs> champ anyway. Um, I, I just don't think Israel Adesanya brings the power that a guy like Jacare or Yoel Romero brings um, when it comes to stand-up. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Israel Adesanya, he's very methodical. He tries to pick you apart. He tries to, you know, wear you down. It's going to be it's gonna be a, you know, it's going to be a marathon. It's not going to be a sprint with him. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, can Adesanya mix it up really well on the feet? Yes. I think that Robert Whitaker is a little bit more well-rounded. We've seen him beat multiple styles of fighters. We've seen him beat a wrestler in Romero. We've seen him beat a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt in Jakari Swoza. We've seen him beat other strikers too. So I just think Robert Whitaker has more tools in his locker than Israel Adesanya. I feel like Robert Whitaker has more experience against other high-level fighters, whereas Israel Adesanya probably doesn't. Yes, he beat Anderson Silva, but one, they barely, they barely fucking threw a punch at each other. Yeah. I, I was not crazy about that fight. I don't care what anybody says. And number two, 
it, I understand Silva needed to be on steroids to even be in there because he's like a thousand. And I love Anderson Silva. I really do. But I don't think he should have been in that fight with Israel Arasanya. I think that Anderson Silva has earned himself a happy retirement. Um, you know, again, not to knock him. I just think that, you know, he, he needs to understand what he's supposed to be doing at this age. Um, so, yeah, I just I don't see a scenario where Israel Adesanya beats Robert Whitaker, um, you know, unless there's a freak injury in the middle. But um, you can't even count on that because Israel Adesanya beat your Romero with like a torn ACL or something. You mean Robert Whitaker beat? Yeah, 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 yeah. Robert Whitaker beat your Romero. Yeah, on like one leg. So yeah, I mean, uh, in, in fairness, I didn't think that Adesanya would beat Gastelum either, um, but he did. So that's the beauty of the sport is anything can happen. And um, hopefully we get to see these two in there. Uh, if not, we got a main event between two guys who I can tell you, or I can personally guarantee you, these two guys will make it to the cage. And that's Rajal Iaquinta mm. and Dan Hooker. These two guys will be there on fight night, whether it's the co-main event, the main event, these guys are going to be in there fucking slugging it out i am so excited for this fight i got the opportunity to meet al a couple of weeks ago at at uh, law mma in long island you know shout out again to my to my buddies on mma and beyond for having me on that show i got to see uh al have a a vicious sparring session in the gym and he looked phenomenal he looks ready uh he went out to australia uh, you know two weeks ahead of time to acclimate and, you know, Dan Hooker is just one of these guys who is huge for this lightweight division. Um, but, you know, Iaquinta has been in there with with big guys before, and, and he's looked good. Um, so you've got the the punching power of Dan Hooker against the precision and the pressure of Al Iaquinta. And um, I, I don't think yet you could have more of a perfect storm for a fantastic co-main event here. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I'm excited for this one. I think someone gets finished in this fight, Bill. Like you said, Dan Hooker brings a lot of power, but Ally Kinta, he's precise. He pushes forward. He doesn't give you any space to get your offense off. So, you know, it's going to be a really, really good fight. Uh, I'm curious to see how Ally Kinta goes about, you know, getting inside Dan Hooker's guard because not only is he tall, like you said, for his division, but he's got a lot of reach too. So this is a really, really exciting style matchup here. Yeah. And, and like you said, there's no quit in either one of these guys. I think you learn the most about both of them from their most recent losses. You know, I Quinta, um, well, I'll go back to lot. So his, his most recent loss to cowboy, I, I still thought he looked great. That was a fucking amazing fight. Uh, and, and there was no quitting him there. And then when he was in there against Khabib on short notice, uh, you know, I think even Khabib got frustrated, yeah. you know, and he, he wasn't able to get him down later in the fight. And, and Al was in his face the whole time. And, you know, Khabib couldn't even take a breath. And with Dan Hooker, that beating he took against Edson or Barbosa is, is one of the most brutal beatings I've ever seen in mixed martial arts. And he kept standing there in front of Barbosa until the, you know, the ref finally had to stop it. Um, so these are two guys that you have to put their lights off to get yep. them out of there. Um, they're, they're not throwing in the towel. They're not, you know, raising a white flag. Neither one of these guys is going to say uncle in there. Um, if it comes to submissions, they'll, they'll both go to sleep before they tap. Uh, you know, I can guarantee you all of these things. So, so excited for that fight. 
Ty Tuivasa and Sergey Spivak. A uh, couple of heavyweights throwing down there. Uh, they both have, you know, about 10 fights under their belt. Um, Luke Jumo and Diego Lima is a fun fight. Uh, Jake Matthews and Rostem Akman. Then we got, I'll jump down a little bit, <clears throat> Megan Anderson. Uh, down on the prelims, I believe. Uh, hometown gal here. Uh, kind of an unfortunate story for her so far in the UFC. She'll be getting in there against uh, Zara Farron Dos Santos. And I think there was one more that jumped out to me. Okay, so there's these guys. There's a lot of inexperienced fighters on this card, like Brad Rydell, 2-0, is fighting Jamie Malarkey, who's 8-2. and And then there's another one, Jorgen DeCastro, 5-0, against Justin Taffa, 3-0. Uh, my only guess here without, you know, looking these fighters up is that they're local fighters um, that they're using to to kind of build the market over there in Australia. But it is kind of odd seeing like if you <clears throat> I'm not a big numbers guy, but if you went through it, it take away the, the main and the co-main event fighters, if you went up and down this fight and took the total amount of fight experience uh, from all of the fighters on it, we might have some of the lowest numbers you've ever seen on a UFC card um, since like way back in the day. Because uh, if you look up and down here <clears throat> at the records, eight and two, nine and one, six and one, three and zero, oh, five and zero, oh, uh, you know, not a whole lot of experience, which could mean a lot of fun or it could mean, you know, a lot of shit fights. But I guess there's only one way to find out. Tune in uh next saturday night i know i will be i know you will be jeff so october 5th in melbourne australia um ufc 243 uh i'm excited for this card uh this is gonna be a fun one uh any other thoughts on this one jeff yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited for this one too. I really I'm a big fan of Tai Tuivasa as well. You know, he brings in he's a lot of charisma to the cage as well as a lot of power. So that's mm -hmm. gonna be a really good fight. Probably a short one too against Sergey Spivak. Uh, Luke Jimmo versus Diego Lima looks really interesting too. Bill, overall, I think this card's gonna deliver. Yeah, I I think there's there's a lot of room for um for the Australians to, to have spoilers here. Um, you know, Whitaker and Adesanya, that's kind of a wash. Cause it like, you know, New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. They're right. almost the same country. Yeah. They're, they're both, you know, they're both like hometown boys there. Ally Quinta can definitely upset, uh, the hometown boy, Dan hooker, Sergey Spivak, um, can, can definitely upset the hometown boy tied to Vasa. And then Diego Lima it, is no walk in the park for anybody. So, uh, you know, and the hometown fighter there is Luke Jamo. Uh, in the past couple of cards, we've seen pretty consistently that when they have these cards in another country and they stack the card with fighters from that country, they don't do as well. Um, you know, the exception sometimes is, is uh, Brazilian fighters do well in Brazil. Um, but I, I, I've had this theory for a long time that, that having a, you know, fighting in your hometown or your home country isn't necessarily an advantage. I think, I think the traveling and, and being away from your family and friends is, is more of an advantage than being around them 
in a sport like this, you know, if it's like baseball or, or like soccer or something like maybe there's a home team advantage or something like that. I don't, I don't think it really translates to MMA and I've felt this way for a long time. And I've had this conversation with, with many fighters and, and, um, and many analysts and things like that. And, um, I kind of stand by it. You know, we see a lot of New York fighters who don't want to fight in New York. Um, you know, Chris Weidman's going to be fighting in Boston, in a couple of weeks. Um, in any case, any other thoughts on UFC 243 here, Jeff? No, I guess we got to leave for next week after all these fights. Yeah, man. So I'm going to be in the morning on my way to Disney World. My parents are in town. They want to take the biz- the uh, take the baby to Disney. So uh, we're going to be uh, going out there for a couple of days. I'm going to stay at, at one of the Disney hotels tomorrow night and um we're gonna go to animal kingdom you know the baby loves animals so it makes sense to to bring her to animal kingdom so i'll, I'll have some report uh, on that stuff for you guys next week as well um if you're a longtime listener of the show you guys know i am an expert at sneaking booze into disney um so i'll be happy to share some some tips of the trade there and um yeah, it should be a good time. We're going to go to one of my favorite restaurants over in Disney Spring. It's called uh, Raglan Road, Irish Spot. Pour a good Guinness there. They got Smithics on draft, which is which is not something you find everywhere. They make something called a Blacksmith, which is half Guinness, half Smithics. Uh, very, very delicious beer. So um, my, my report on a couple of those. You guys can follow along as always on uh, the Instagram story and stuff like that. I try and post as, as much as possible on there at MMA on the rocks. And uh, you guys can get a hold of me anywhere else on social media as well. Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. You can send me an email, MMA on the rocks, gmail.com. Visit the website. I've been trying to keep that updated. If you guys want to check out the website now, I just recently um, added a, a page on the website that has highlights from uh some of my favorite interviews over the last three plus years. Uh, I'll be slowly adding to that as well. You know, it takes a lot of time to, uh, to clip all these interviews up and, and, you know, put them into little digestible pieces. Cause I know, you know, people can't always go back and listen to entire episodes and go and look them up and, and all that stuff. Cause there's so much content out there. Um, so, uh, try to make things easy on you guys. If there's anything else I could do, let me know, reach out on social media. Uh, I love hearing suggestions, love hearing what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. If you want to get a hold of Jeff, the animal Wilson, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget the animals on Instagram. Now he's been a little bit more active on there too. So, uh, get with it. Jeff, you got anything else you want to get off your chest this week? No, that's all I got for you, Bill. All right. Well, we're, we're looking forward to uh, breaking down the bad motherfucker belt in a couple of weeks. And uh, <laughs> we got some exciting things on the horizon, man. The, the UFC is going full throttle through the through the end of the year. Uh, a lot of exciting things coming up and, and we're excited to talk about them. Uh, if you guys want us to cover the ADCC, let us know. And uh, we'll talk about that next week after I get a chance to uh, sit down and watch these like some night this week after the baby's asleep early, like that ever happens. Um, (laughs) In any case, that's all we got for this week. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.